Shadow Talk. Hello and welcome to this midweek special of Shadow Talk and in this week's episode we are going to be looking into a deep dive into how this increased interest in cryptocurrencies is offering new opportunities for fraud. We'll be covering things like account takeovers, phishing, mining and initial coin offering fraud. All this in this week's episode. Hello Raf, how are you? Hey Mike, welcome back. I'm doing well, thanks. Excellent. So in this week's episode, I wanted to give a deep dive into our research that we announced last week, which is titled The New Gold Rush. Let me ask the first question here. I mean, you were the main thrust behind, behind this paper. What is it that inspired you to take this on as a research topic? Yeah, so I guess it came from looking at um, the rise of Monero as a currency, uh, as an alternative to Bitcoin, and looking at what people were talking about back in 2014 when it first emerged on kind of criminal forums. And the consensus was already building then, which was, yes, Monero's good, um, Bitcoin's interesting, but there's a bunch of other alternative coins emerging, and you should pretty well steer clear of all of these because they're bad news. If, you don't, if you're not on the inside track, you should be thinking twice about this. And so I wanted to drill down a bit more into the different techniques that were being used, the tools that were offered for sale to do that, and just getting a bit more of a deeper insight. That sounds very altruistic on your part. I mean, come on, let's be honest here. You were looking to uh, invest in a new alternative currency, weren't you? That's the real reason you were looking into this. Yeah, it was the coincidental timing of the uh, massive hike in Bitcoin price at the end of 2017. But in all seriousness, one of the most fascinating things is the pump and dump groups. And they tend to occur on the Discord channels where most take place. And there are kind of well over 20 to 30 channels that are currently in operation. The process is that they've got one bot, which takes like every day, will take a new random alternative coin and they'll choose a platform that they're going to pump it on. And then everybody will get behind it and use social media to really drive up the hype and interest around this particular cryptocurrency. And then they'll drive up the price and then all of a sudden kind of they'll do that for two minutes and then they'll cash out at the end there are actually some pretty cool groups my favorite one is the white house of pumps so you've got people on there like donald j pump um, and other people of executive staff on there um, so people are really getting involved in creating all of these groups and by the claims on there people are making a fair bit of money as well and is this mainly focusing on alternative currencies are we seeing the same with bitcoin or is that so big now that people are focusing on on some of the smaller, newer coins? Well, it's the ease of manipulation around the smaller coins uh, that make it such an attractive target. Um, Bitcoin is such a big thing now that it's very hard. There are so many different other factors and drivers around. Um, it's a lot easier to manipulate the price of a previously unknown cryptocurrency. And if you can get that in the mainstream and you get it, like, it trending on Twitter, then the hope is that you can actually convince the real legitimate investors to get involved in that. And that can further drive up the price of the coin that you've selected. I mean, I guess it's not, it shouldn't be that surprising that these sort of groups exist. I mean, there's people trying to, been people been trying to manipulate regular legitimate currencies for years. And that's still, you still have attempts at that now. So um, I don't think we should be too surprised that people are doing it now with altcoins, particularly now that everything is so is so digital and these quite anonymized services do exist for people to be able to communicate in these sort of ways. Yeah, like yeah, obviously pump and dump isn't a new thing. Um, that's been going on for years. So where did you say most of these groups are now? You said they're on Discord. Are they on any other channels? There's Telegram groups as well. And then we've also seen dark websites. There's one 
called The Insider, in which they raise a bunch of money, which are then going to invest in alternative currencies through all of these things we've talked about, like uh, driving up on social media, getting loads of people to retweet it, whether that's real or fake accounts. But the idea is you give them some investment and they'll do it for you. And they give like a nice little investment graph that you can see of how it all works. So yeah, there's dark web, you've got Telegram, and then there's also a lot on Discord. It's interesting the intersection there between like two big themes over the last 18 months. So you've got fake news, disinformation on the one hand, how easy it is to spread um, misleading information using sort of bots and to all these different Twitter accounts and all these different services that you, that criminals are basically now offering. And then you've got the hype and cryptocurrencies as well feeding into that. Yeah, that is a really fascinating intersection. And it was also, when you asked me earlier about the kind of motivation behind the paper, I guess that was kind of it because we'd done the piece before on disinformation and how easy it was to manipulate things. And this just seems like a natural progression from that. And what, what, why do you think it is so easy to, uh, to target cryptocurrencies to manipulate uh, this e- ecosystem at the minute? What, what is it? Is it something inherent in, in the way cryptocurrencies are structured themselves? Is it the users? What is it? It's the hype and it's the ease in which you can set up uh, even your own coin as well. You've seen people on forums, like this Russian speaking criminal forum. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago, somebody cropped up and said, I've just had this great idea. Let's create this new coin. And then it doesn't matter what it is. And we'll just pump it up and make loads of money off it. And the response, his first response on this forum was, yeah, welcome to 2016, mate. that's been going on for ages but yeah it's a good idea but it's already happening and then these freelance job sites where people are trying to get people to do work for them and so many people now are saying i need somebody to create me a site that is an exact copy of this particular coin or this particular exchange so it's really easy to make your own you just rip off another website call it something else um and that's pretty easy And then obviously you've got all of these tools for disinformation, such as whether you can get bots to share it or disinformation as a service. If you can do that and have these platforms as well to share this information and collaborate, then I think it is offering some real opportunities for criminals. you were looking into kind of drivers and the assumptions underlying that to do a bit of forecasting for this particular piece. Yeah, so that discussion of drivers did come in sort of towards the end in like the concluding section of the report. But I think those issue of the drivers uh, behind what's behind this rise in cryptocurrency fraud was really at the forefront of our mind, and we we tried to put it all the way through the project. Um, what we did in this case was we used a structured analytic technique that our analysts use here quite quite regularly. It's called the cone of plausibility. Now, this is used. I think some of our listeners who do threat modeling or who use some of these structured analytical techniques might be familiar with basically creating scenarios and then basically being able to model responses for them. And this is sort of what we try to use here. The other reason we use it is it's just a really good way of laying out your thoughts on paper and looking at, okay, specifically, what are we assuming here? What type of thinking are we, are we projecting onto it? Because I think that can have an impact in terms of how we, how we interpret what's going on. Yeah, I really like the, the cone can be sometimes a lot of work to do. And as you say, you don't want to use it in every situation, but it's really, really effective for looking at how to avoid linear thought. And you can go, right, here are the drivers, here are the underlying assumptions there. And what if I tweak those assumptions? And then from that, you can get some slightly different scenarios. And sometimes with cryptocurrencies and how volatile it is, it's not very useful to have such a linear thought process. And this is a really good way of combating that. 
Yeah, no, no, I completely agree with you. And even with the scenarios, I think like word of warning, we don't, we're not saying that these scenarios are exactly what's going to happen in the future. Like this is, we are extrapolating here from the, from the initial drivers and what we've seen over the course of this year. I think the aim is when you develop two or three different scenarios, it's more, all right, you can look at these as an organization or as an individual and be like, okay, so if this is sort of the path towards this particular scenario, how can I see it coming? And then, as you said as well, combating that linear thought. So what if I tweak one of these slightly or tweak two of them? How is that going to impact things? Are we suddenly going to have to create a new scenario for this? So it's, it's, it's quite an interesting way of doing things. It's not, it's not the solution to everything, but I think definitely that value is in outlining the drivers and the assumptions behind it. And I think those can actually be really useful and you can really hone, hone in on those. We've talked about pump and dump groups and then the drivers, it might be worth also talking about the other ways in which fraud can occur from initial coin offerings themselves. Sure. So yeah, let's just go through maybe each of the different types of fraud and we can basically explain explain what they are, give some examples, just clear it up for our listeners. So the first one we have here is um, attacks on cryptocurrency holders directly. So what we pointed out in the paper was two two main ways of basically targeting the funds that actually sit in user accounts. So the first one is try and test the method that we see in so many different spheres, which is phishing and credential harvesting. And then the other side of that is using credential stuffing tools. Um, here we're talking about Hitman, Vortex, Century MBA. And I think, Mike, you found some quite a lot of different adverts on sort of criminal forums, both clear web and dark web, with people selling credentials for Century MBA that could be used on, on cryptocurrency accounts, no? Yeah, there's a bunch of cracking forums, as they're called, where people share the software themselves, as you say, for credential stuffing, and then also the configuration files. So it's probably worth explaining to listeners how credential stuffing works. Uh, you've got these programs, the most popular is Century MBA, and it takes a bunch of usernames and passwords that maybe have been breached in previous instances, and then runs these against a specific site and looks for matches on those and gives an indication of which ones are more likely to gain access to the account. And as part of that, you need a configuration file in order to map out the various parts of the site in order to know where to log in, so on and so forth. Um, and we've seen those configuration files for some exchanges and some other trading platforms to do with cryptocurrency being exchanged on these cracking forums. So this isn't necessarily unique to cryptocurrencies. This is a type of tool and a technique that's been around for a while. And it's always been targeted at anything with an account. A lot of time accounts that might have sensitive information in them or financial stuff in there or even access to funds as well. So I think this is just an, another example of that. You have people with accounts related to cryptocurrency where you can access their funds. Yeah. The tools are already available to do it. Phishing is also pretty popular as well. You saw the expertise who was targeted um, the users of that particular platform with phishing emails and said, look, you send us funds and then we will give you a special bonus for this. And they raised like, 125,000 by that particular campaign. I think that's the thing with phishing. The way phishing works usually is that it will just basically prey on what the most exciting or the most popular news story of the day is. They basically need to lure that person into clicking on a particular link or visiting a particular website. So cryptocurrency has been such big news recently. Everyone wants a piece of Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin investments at the minute. Everyone wants to make a bit of money. So you can just imagine the amount of phishing emails that are going around, the amount of campaigns where people are saying, oh, click here to basically unlock all these Bitcoins or to, to invest now. And most unsuspecting users will obviously like click on those things or navigate to the wrong sites. 
And as part of this research, we were looking into looking at these exchanges themselves and then how many people are creating phishing sites for those so domains that look really, really similar to the initial one and that could be used to harvest these uh, credentials as well. And like that was actually quite a surprising find. Obviously, there were quite a few instances of just standard phishing sites of people imitating a particular coin or an exchange. But there were also a huge number of instances of when somebody had registered a host of different Tybo squats um, against loads of different exchange platforms. And then looking into those, you expected that maybe they're trying to fish information out of customers. What they're actually doing is they were auto redirecting to their referral link for another exchange platform that had a really beneficial referral program. They would get like 50% of all commission that that user who signed up made. And I think that shows that's not illegal. That's actually pretty interesting. Um, approach to making money through referral links and not the standard phishing that we'd expect to see. So they're not actually defrauding people trying to invest in cryptocurrency per se. They're just basically creating a load of different domains that, are, that look similar to, to legit cryptocurrency exchange ones and they're just redirecting that traffic. Yeah, absolutely. And it's another example of tactics that have traditionally been used to do something else in this case phishing but have been adapted um in this case in a non-criminal way uh, but to make money from um, these referral links so this is this is yeah this is how like on, a lot of online advertising used to work right so they've just shifted over to to cryptocurrency now to the cryptocurrency fraud side of thing yeah absolutely and then there's other ways of spoofing websites and having new tactics to mine cryptocurrency in this case and you've seen this crypto jacking tool called crypto jacker and we'll go into crypto jacking briefly after this but this particular tool allows you to essentially spoof a website uh, by using a wordpress plugin and you can enter the name of the website that you want to imitate and it might be like it's often something that's really popular like oh here's a Forbes article on how great Bitcoin is. So you can spoof that and it actually draws out all the metadata. So when you then share that particular link on social media, it actually looks like the legitimate site as well. So loads of opportunity in this space. So Rap, do you actually <laughs> want to talk about what crypto jacking is and mining, I guess, more in general? Yeah, so let's, let's start with mining. So, um, Cryptocurrency transactions, they're recorded in a public ledger, which is known as the blockchain, because that's basically a series of transactions called the block. And mining is basically the process where computers validate these different transactions. So to do this, miners will solve a mathematical computational problem, and that, create, that contains the latest transaction data in it. Um, so miners, or the operators of these mining machines, will then receive cryptocurrency or digital coins as a reward for solving these mathematical problems or these computational problems and contributing to the broader integrity of the blockchain. That's, that's the process behind it. So you can see why that's now really attractive for people because if you can get on top of that and you can mine more effectively, you can accrue more, more digital currency out of it. Now, it's not, it's, not, it's not easy to mine. You need a lot of computational power. So what we've started to see is that people are basically trying to steal other people's computer processing power. So you might be able to log into someone else's cloud services like their AWS account, or you might be able to infect them with a piece of 
what's basically a piece of malware that's able to sit on your computer and then perform mining in the background. That's crypto jacking, right? Yeah, that's crypto jacking. Yeah, and I mean, look, I think if you if you asked anyone, you said, oh, there's all these different possibilities of how you might be attacked. Having a cryptocurrency miner installed on your on your system is probably one of the best case scenarios or the best of the worst. Um, because, yeah, you obviously prefer that than a potentially very malicious, destructive piece of malware or a random access trojan that's going to be able to steal quite sensitive information from you. So yeah, you take the you probably take the cryptocurrency miner most days of the week because it's it's going to affect your performance, but it's not going to be as bad as something quite destructive. However, what's happening now is that actors are basically incorporating these cryptocurrency miners into their attacks. They're using uh, exploits and targeting all these different vulnerabilities like MS vulnerabilities, which are very popular. So if an actor is able to infect you in the first place then what's to stop them from infecting you with other payloads as well? And some actors might only want to do cryptocurrency fraud, but some might use the opportunity to basically maximize their yield. So they'll install a cryptocurrency miner, but they'll also install other pieces of malware and other, other malicious software in there as well. So I think that's, that's what's important to draw upon here because I think most people will listen to it and be like, oh, it's just a cryptocurrency miner. It's just running in the background. It's not ideal, but it's not the end of the world. And while that may be true to some respects, I think we've got to look a bit more long-term and be like, well, if someone's able to gain that type of access to your computer, then um, maybe we need to think again. This is all very interesting. Um, Different types of fraud and then different ways in which this may change in the future. And especially by looking at potential scenarios in the future, I think there are things that we need to consider, especially in terms of mitigation. And there are things that we can learn for consumers, and that's pretty significant, the exchange platforms, and then organizations as well. And the paper does talk about some of these mitigation options that are available. What would be the main takeaway for consumers? What can they be doing? I, I, to be honest, I think across all of them, like when, we, when I was stressing the importance of drivers, what I said was one of the most important takeaways for this one is the importance of just general user security or organizational security. As long as there are exchanges that have quite weak security, like we saw with CoinCheck the other week, as long as you have individuals who aren't properly securing their accounts, or you have organizations who are leaving their AWS systems exposed and the credentials lying out there or using the default credentials, um, then the opportunities are going to be there for, for criminals to take advantage. So I think first and foremost, if we're talking maybe on a consumer level, very simple things that we talk about all the time. So um, enabling multi-factor authentication on your accounts, particularly if you've got one for cryptocurrencies. I mean, try and find a, a reputable provider who who does allow for multi-factor authentication, obviously. Um, and then also looking for phishing sites. We talked a lot about how just unsuspecting users can be, can be done by this trick. Um, monitoring for your credentials if they're leaked online or stolen. There's loads of tools for that. I mean, sites like Have I Been Pwned. Um, Troy Hunt, doing a great job. Yeah, exactly. So that's out there for people to use. You can just put your email in there and see if you've popped up anywhere online that you shouldn't be. And I think if you're looking to invest, just try not to buy into the hype and do your research. Be cautious before investing. So yeah, Mike, away from the consumers, what about organizations? What can, what can they do to avoid being caught up in all of this? So organizations can be monitoring places like GitHub if their AWS credentials have been leaked out there. 
And what about patching and uh, vulnerability? I think that's something maybe just both organizations and individuals. I know it's not specific to cryptocurrencies, but we are seeing that um, a lot of different sort of cryptocurrency fraud actors are exploiting vulnerabilities in popular services. I think in December we saw Pi Crypto Miner started exploiting a, a known vulnerability affecting JBoss servers. We saw a Strut server exploit being used for Monero mining. So, I mean, we always say it. We don't want to sound like a broken record, but it keeps happening. Like these publicly known vulnerabilities, they're still being exploited by actors. They're now being used for cryptocurrency fraud. So that's one. Um, yeah, I don't want to say easy because Rick, Rick Holland would kill me for it, but a relatively easy area to pinpoint and try and tackle. Yeah, and there's also stuff like having a good ad blocker in place for the organization as well to make sure um, that you're not inadvertently mining Monero. With that, let's bring this week's Shadow Talk to a close. Thank you very much, Raf. Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, as always. And if anybody wants a copy of this paper itself, and I don't know why you wouldn't after such a riveting conversation between myself and Raf, you can do so by visiting resources.digitalshadows.com, the home of research at Digital Shadows.